we'll just get right into the message. I uh, appreciate so very much what God is doing. God has been moving. The blessings of the Lord have been resting upon people. The thing that amazes me in my search of the Scripture is how some people can be so much in tune with God, so much aware, so sensitive as to what God is doing. And yet, on the other hand, others can be so out of tune with God and insensitive as to what God is doing. I think if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you take a look at Israel when they were in bondage with Egypt, there is an example given there as to what I am talking about. Moses comes to deliver the children of Israel. Ten plagues came upon the Egyptians. Each one of those plagues convinced Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, that he should allow the Israeli people to leave. He no more got it out of his mouth, though. Yes, they can go. He got to thinking about it. Was that really God? What if that's really God? And he talked himself out of believing that God had anything to do with what was taking place. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that a lying spirit came upon Pharaoh. Now, he obviously, before this lying spirit came, he had second thoughts. Now, the Bible says God sent a lying spirit. Does God lie? No. We do know that in the days that Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, that he went to a city called Gadara and cast out devils out of a man who was just so possessed that he was called legion because his devils were many. And God sent those devils into a herd of swine. And they ran down the hill and jumped in the water and drowned. Now the Bible says that God sent those spirits Now, God does not lie. The devil is the master of all lies. And I think it was because that Pharaoh was giving second thoughts concerning the mighty works of God that God then sent those lying spirits In other words, there was enough evidence, conclusive evidence. Moses, the Bible says, he struck the earth with his rod. Now, when he first went in, he even threw that rod down on the ground, and this thing became a snake. Well, Pharaoh evidently had been involved in in some type of worship, false worship, occult-type worship. His prophets came in, and they did the same. Of course, the Bible says that the rod that Moses cast on the ground turned into a serpent and swallowed up the others. Moses then reaches down, picks this serpent up by the tail, and it turned back into a staff. Now, you'd think in seeing all this, this man would be convinced. He was not convinced. Simply was not convinced. And, you know, even after the death angel, plague after plague after plague, lice, frogs, water turning to blood, great boils came upon the cattle and upon mankind. 
Finally, the death angel visited. And Pharaoh said, take them, get them out of here. They didn't even get through the Red Sea. And he gave second thoughts to this. I can't let those people go. And so he went after them. Of course, doubt and sin was swallowed up by the Red Sea. Now, when we start serving God, the Bible makes it very plain, 1 Corinthians 10, that all of Israel was baptized by Moses, by the Red Sea, and by the pillar of fire. Now, this is symbolical of us being baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When we are baptized, the old man is buried. And I like to think of it like this. Doubt should be swallowed up when the old man is buried. Now, one important thing that we do in all of our services is that we bring our little blue slips. What do we do with those? Here they are. People fill these out and turn these in. We have on the top of this prayer request. Do you have a request? This leads me to... My sermon text for today, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And you will not even need to stand at the reading of this because I have already gotten into this message. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything, according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Now, I'm going to speak to you today on the subject, ask, A-S-K, ask. The word ask simply means to make request or to make petition of. That's why we have prayer requests. Now, let's back up and read this again. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us. Now, there is an important word in verse 15, the word know. In other words, are you convinced The Scripture also uses the word confidence. Are you convinced that when you pray, God hears you? Are you convinced of that? Now, that is so very important. You see, the works of God in Egypt were convincing only for just a moment's time. And they just lost confidence in this. All of the evidences that had been stacked up proved that God was working, but they dismissed it all because they began to doubt. They just began to, they really didn't know. They weren't convinced in their heart. Now, What I am calling your attention to that happened in Egypt happened even when Jesus Christ walked on the face of the earth. Many people heard Him preach. Many people heard Him teach. Many people saw divine miracles. Many people believed. But many of those people who believed later on gave second thought. And they were not convinced then that God was in all of that. This is the reason why He went to the cross, because 
they accused him of blasphemy. In other words, he, being a man, maketh himself God. We need to put this man to death. Because they were not convinced that what he was doing was of God. Now we have uh, our prayer request. A good number of these. We've had a lot of flu going around. We have publicly declared that we need to bind this flu condition. Now when we pray about these requests, you, you just simply need to, to know that God hears you. See, some people just don't seem to possess the ability to spiritualize anything. We have these requests, I think, were from last Thursday night. Here's one that says, Fred Michelle Potter for healing. They were sick. Here they are this morning. They feel well enough to be in church. So it is, it is just very, very important that we know when we pray. That God hears us. Uh, I just hear this quite often. Um, people always, down south they use this phrase, because I'm from the south, in case some of you have not detected this. Some people don't detect it. They think I'm from further north and maybe up in Canada someplace, because I worked on my accent a lot, but some people... <laughs> are not fooled. <clears throat> oh, while I was growing up, I hear people say, I'm fixing to do something. I'm fixing to do something. Now, a few people around here use that because I've had a little bit of influence over some. <clears throat> I'm fixing to do this. Always fixing to do something. In other words, my intentions are to be spiritual. My intentions are to make the best of my walk with God. And as long as you can just shove it ahead, see, our tomorrows just seem to never get here because we just keep shoving those tomorrows ahead just by thinking that through some great divine explosion that might take place in our hearts or minds that... that uh, we're just going to have a brain transplant. We're just going to wake up one morning just feeling like God's in control of this universe and we're His child and everything's going to be fine. We're going to be spiritual. It doesn't work that way. It all starts between your ears. It's the way you perceive things. It's the way you see things. It's the way you understand things. Conversion in the Old Testament took place like this. We gained knowledge that gave us understanding, that gave us wisdom. Wisdom in the Old Testament was the ability to use knowledge. In other words, take what you know and practice it. In other words, if God gives you knowledge that He is divine, that He is a deliverer, that He is the healer. We fully understand that, then act like that you understand it. That's what the Scriptures say. That's how you're converted. In the New Testament, and I teach this in Christian stewardship, we have a class in session right now, I teach knowledge, attitude, and action. It's basically the same thing, that that God gives you knowledge that changes your attitude towards something that causes you to act differently. Now, any time there is a breakdown in that process, you will find that all of a sudden, what you know to do, if your attitude is not right toward this, and you're not willing to do this, then you will find that all of a sudden, knowledge begins to leave you. You just don't know that God is alive. 
I've talked with Brother Crowder recently several times, and God's been using this man. Now, here's a man that's no different from you. He grew up right here in this church, received the Holy Ghost about probably 14 years ago, maybe 15 now, right here at Calvary Gospel Church. He's a man that began to practice what he believed. And he practiced it and practiced it until it became just part of his nature to to be this way. He could just see God in everything. Just believe God. Just know God. Just trust God. God's going to do something great. It was at our district conference up in Oshkosh. He and Sister Crowder pulled in at Hardy's and began to talk to a lady. And the lady was in there with a little bag of groceries and her children walking home about eight or ten blocks down the street. Felix and Ida said, we'd like to take you home. The lady got in the van with them. They started witnessing her, pulled up by the curb. The lady was already crying and praying. Felix got out of the driver's seat, went back, opened the side door, got right up in that seat close to that lady, and his wife turned around. They lay hands on this lady who had monumental problems who was doubting everything, who did not even know that there was a God or didn't believe that there was a God. So many bad things had happened. They lay hands on this lady, and this lady began to repent of her sins right there in that van seat. The Lord filled this lady with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, which was the New Testament new birth. Praise God. Praise God. Why? Because somebody believed God. And you know, this business of belief is as contagious as doubt. Now, doubt can be contagious. All you have to do is just, well, we'll put it this way. You, you know, if, if let's, let's say that uh, two brothers are having a problem. Let's say Brother Rutherford and I are having a problem. We're, we're brother-in-law, so we can kind of pretend this let's say that all of a sudden i get with uh, several of you and i'm talking about brother rutherford and uh, we're just rubbing shoulders together it is it is a normal tendency of man to believe what he hears first isn't it amazing how i've had people even call me and say just before they tell you something i want to tell you something because i think you should know this when why do we do that because we know that the first thing, the first impression is the lasting impression. Isn't that right? And so if you're just around someone like that, and I keep on telling you and keep on telling you, now the book of Proverbs tells us never to accept a story until we look into the matter. In other words, that means you've got to hear both sides of the story. And there is such a thing as both people being wrong. And usually where there's a few, that is the case. The, the, the very fact that you're willing to fight with someone denotes a little bit of a problem. <clears throat> so you know that if you got that little bit of a problem, there's a potential of maybe that little bit of a problem becoming more and more and more of a problem. So <clears throat> you have... Uh, People that you fellowship with, you have, you have these people that are always up in the balcony. Those are the people that are asking you, come on up here and sit with me. And uh, let's say that you're on the first floor. And then you have these people down below that said, oh, come on down in the basement. So you have the balcony crowd and you have the basement crowd. You hang around with the basement crowd, you're going to doubt. Just doubt. People can become whiners, complainers. Now, it's, it's hard for me to believe, but Israel, who heard God's voice ring out and shake the earth when God spoke from Mount Sinai, just a short period later, they were praying for a leader 
to take them back to Egypt. They remember the garlic and the leeks, the onions. I was telling uh, Jim Rivers, he doesn't like onions, he said. I said, boy, you have to, I mean, onions. That was powerful enough to make God's people want to go back into bondage. <clears throat> Can you believe that's what they were praying? That's actually what the Bible says. They were praying. Give us the leaders to take us back where the garlic is. Now, I don't know about garlic, you know. Sister Rose says garlic powder does something. I'm not for sure what it does. She's got a remedy for everything. She's been sick very few days in her life, so I guess. What did you say garlic powder was good for? Oh, you've never been sick. Ah, that was what I asked. <clears throat> what was garlic powder good for? It's supposed to be good for heart condition or something. I don't know. It's good for your breath. We cover up anything. Could you believe, though, that God spoke from this mountain and they forgot it? It's amazing how short our memories can be and how we can begin to doubt things. I'll tell you what we all need to do. We all need to get out of the basement and get up in the balconies and start believing God and trusting God and Believing that God can do things, marvelous things, great things, wonderful things. Let me tell you, there's a black cloud upon our American society right now. It's, it's heavy upon us. And what we need to do, we need to encourage people. You know, you can give people faith. You can literally give them faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. When I first started teaching home Bible studies, I taught home Bible studies for about 10 years before I ever taught anyone that did not receive the Holy Ghost. And someone asked me, how do you do that? You give them faith. How do you give them faith? Well, first, you have to be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you are saying is correct. See, now that's what John is saying. You've got to know that he hears you. This is the confidence that we have in him. That whatsoever we ask of him, that he will give it to us. We've got to know. We've got to know. We've got to know that God is alive. You may say, how do you get that faith? Well, open up your eyes and start looking around at all the things that God is doing. And when you see something that God is doing, start broadcasting it. Start telling. Start preaching it. Start testifying about it. Praise God. This is so important because... You know, when we bring these prayer requests up and we pray, this is one of the most important parts of our service. There are people who come in here and fill these things out and lay them in the back, and this is no small matter to them. I mean, this, this is important. This is no small matter to them. This is extremely important. I guess I could explain it like this. I remember when our soldiers came home from Vietnam, and I remember how they were talking about the... Uh, communist tanks rolling in from the north, and they were coming down to take over Saigon, and and it was just kind of a sad story. But at any rate, they were talking about uh, we only had uh, two casualties that day: enemy fire, uh, someone with a machine gun uh, just riddled the bodies of two soldiers as they were being lifted up by helicopter on their way out. So when our soldiers landed here in America safe and sound. It was a big, big party, and we were all happy. Great victory. Now, the problem is, though, that somewhere there were two families that were not celebrating. 
And the reason why they were not celebrating is because their association with this victory was not quite so sweet. They had lost a loved one. I said they had lost a loved one. And when they thought about, and even probably till this day, when it is mentioned about our troops coming home, some mother's head falls. Some wife's smile leaves her face. Some little child's anxiety, and or joy rather, leaves and anxiety fills. Frustration comes in. She thinks about her dad who will never come home. See, while some are laughing and, and some are celebrating great victory, others are crying. You see, when we read some of these, they don't, they don't mean much because there's no association. Then all of a sudden, we read one and there's an association because this person is my relative, this person my blood brother. You follow what I'm saying? But the truth of the matter is, all of these, every last one of these, they touch somebody out here in this congregation. These are extremely important to us. And we need to start praying and believing when we pray that, hey, God knows all of these people by name. He sees each one of them. He knows what their needs are. Uh, we need to start asking. We need to start believing God. We make these petitions. We, we need to believe that God hears our prayers. That God hears our prayers. I mean, he hears our petitions. He really does. There's a story in the Old Testament that has to do with Hannah who prayed. Uh, she prayed a prayer. God would give her a son. Eli, who was a priest, obviously was not a, a real spiritual man because after Samuel was born, God spoke to Samuel, uh, did not speak to Eli. Eli, however, knowing what he knew, his recollection of wait, the way God works, he told Samuel, when you hear the voice again, just say, speak, my Lord, for thy servant heareth. But his mother, who came into the house of God to pray, she wanted a child so badly that she gave that child to God before that child was born. She prayed until she could not pray, and she couldn't speak a word. Eli came by and smelled of her breath. He thought she'd been drinking. And perceived that she had not been drinking, but she was deeply grieved. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 1, 17, that uh, Eli told Hannah, Hannah, when you leave here, you must be convinced that your petition is granted to thee. Why? Anyone who will perceive God in this measure, anyone who will seek God to this degree, anyone who is this sincere about God, he knew one thing about the nature of God, that God will hear him and answer his prayer. You don't have to be a spiritual giant to have God on your side. Now, it just might be that you're a much greater spiritual giant than what you perceive yourself to be. I put it that way because some people just never feel that they are, you know, a spiritual giant. Some of the greatest people that I know of some of the greatest prayer warriors that I know of, their, their name is hardly ever mentioned in church. They never stand behind the pulpit. They never do. Some of the greatest prayer warriors that I know, they never get any recognition for anything. But they're always praying. They're always seeking God. But a crowd wrote me about his... His mom, and he told me this before, he said, Brother Grant, he said, uh, 
my mom will make it okay as a result of, you know, my, his dad passed away. My mom will make it okay as a result of her prayer life. I said, what do you mean? He said, my mom is the prayingest person that I've ever seen. I mean, she prays. She just prays. He said, when I get up in the morning when I'm in her house, she's in prayer. When I go to bed at night, she's in prayer. Now, Brother Crowder had this to say. He said, she makes me feel ashamed. He wrote me this letter, and I got it just this past week. He said, Mom is doing fine, Brother Grant. She still prays a lot. She believes God. Do you know why a lot of people don't pray? Can I tell you? Because somehow they, in their own minds, they really don't know that God is going to hear them. In other words, their spiritual condition has deteriorated to the point they don't really know if God will hear them or not. Now, why would someone jump in the, their car and have someone to rush them down to the hospital to the emergency room and maybe sew up a, their, their finger? Uh, why would they do that? Because they believe that, that uh, there's somebody down at the hospital that I mean, they're going to they're staff that hospital 24 hours a day. And here their fingers almost ripped. Somebody's going to be there. Somebody's going to sew this finger up. Somebody's going to take care of this. Now, a lot of people do that and not even pray. All they got their mind on is the doctor's going to take care of this. The doctor's, and they, 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 they fail to realize, hey, God answers prayer. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the hospital. That's not what I'm saying. But, see, we have a lot of needs that arise in our life that, I mean, just they can't sew them up or, or they can't cut them out. Or, uh, you know, it's just God. We've got to take this thing to God. We've got to believe God. Do you believe that God hears your prayers? Do you believe that? Now, let's turn to Matthew 21. This is a very, very, very common passage of Scripture. Matthew 21, Jesus curses the barren fig tree. And then in verse 21, he leads us to believe that it's not just the fig tree that he was aiming at. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have the faith, if you have faith, and doubt not. You should not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also you shall say unto this mountain. Now, the fig tree was just a part of, or we could say particle, of the mountain. Now, Jesus cursed the fig tree. It dried up and withered away. Jesus said, Now, you can speak not only to the fig tree, but you could speak to the whole mountain on which the fig tree was growing. You can speak to this mountain, and you can say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and that shall be done. And you know what I see a lot of Christians doing? A lot of Christians, they're just concerned about one little fig tree here and one little fig tree there and one little fig tree here and one little fig tree there. And you pray against this fig tree and you pray against that fig tree and you pray against this fig tree and you pray against this fig tree. God says, why don't you speak to the mountain upon which they grow and cast the mountain out of your path? Now, there's a great message in that. 
Because sometimes what we do as Christians, you know, let's say here's a father and a mother. And this father and mother, let's say that they have a teenage child that is wayward. And what they're always doing, they're praying, God, I hope that Peggy Sue doesn't go to this party next week. And so they pray against this party. And, and then all of a sudden, it's rock music. And they pray against this rock music. And all of a sudden, they find out that she's been reading some books she needs not to read. So they pray against this. And God says, why are you praying against the fig tree? What you need to do is pray against the mountain. Go through the house and cleanse the house and cast the devil out of the house and purify the house and cast the devil into the sea. Bind it up. Don't just deal with the little particles here and there. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And you see, it's great for us to pray for these people that have the flu. But I think God is saying, why don't you rise up and just bind the whole mountain and cast it all into the sea? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. I feel faith in this place today. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost here today. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Praise God. On Sunday morning, I'm not supposed to get very loud because we have classrooms. And I noticed that this class over here was a little loud and someone stepped in there and told them, Shh, Brother Grant's preaching. And now that teacher's wondering why she can't somebody send somebody out here and say, Shh, Brother Grant, I'm teaching. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Sister Melody, the timing was just right, I'll tell you. You don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I want to ask, Sister Melody, can you hear me in the classroom? Sometimes, all right. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, let's give the Lord a good hand clap. <laughs> John 14, let's turn there. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Now, nothing wrong with praying against the fig tree. Please understand that. But sometimes you have to pray against the mountain which the fig tree is growing. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. Let's worship Him again. Oh, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. In John 14, starting with verse 7, and I'll not read that, down through verse 12, Jesus talks about the relationship that He has with His Father. He says that I and my Father are one. Then, in verse 13, 14, and 15, Jesus talks about the new promise and privilege of the believer that he finds in prayer. Verse 13, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask what? Anything. If you ask anything. 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 If you ask anything. Mm. Isn't that powerful? Then John 15. Jesus talks about the intimacy. That we as believers receive with him. John 15, 15. Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. God wants us to know what He is doing. The Bible tells us in the, in the book of Psalms, the secrets of the Lord are revealed to them that love Him. Now, I don't know if you've ever... You know, there's certain things we can be cruel to each other. The Bible talks about a, a, the whisperer. You know, and I thought about that. You know, there's certain things that I know growing up, you know, kids can be so cruel to each other, you know. We just the other day, there was choosing sides. And, oh, 
several years ago, I, I got a little convicted about this. We, we played softball, and I wouldn't let our men choose sides. I said, we'll have two teams, and what we'll do, we'll just drop uh, X number of ones and X number, same number of twos and a hat, and just draw them out. And if it ends up one-sided, it is. The reason why is because, you know, w- when I was in school, I was quite athletic, so I didn't have a problem. Usually I was the first or second one chosen on any team. Then we get down to the end. you got two people. And all of a sudden the captain looks out and says, uh, and people walk up and whisper in his ear and say, choose Joe. No, 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 no. Don't get him. You remember last week? So finally they say, ah, let's have a huddle. So they all get back there and they come back. And they look. Poor guy just standing there. You know, that's cruel, isn't it? It really, you think about how cruel that is. Well, how does that guy feel about himself? You know, and I've, I've, they were doing that here in school this this past week, and it, it just broke my heart. And, and then to, to make this thing even worse, finally they said, okay, we'll take him. So he comes over. And the other team looks at the one guy, and they say, let's have a huddle. There's nobody left but him. Then they come back and they say, we would rather play without him. You can have him. In other words, if we have him, he's going to cause us to lose for sure. Have you ever been in a group of people where maybe some little bit of information came up and everybody said, oh, what's that all about? And then somebody turns and they whisper in somebody else's ear. Say, what are you telling? He says, huh, I'm not going to tell you. In other words, what they're saying is, we're not good enough friends. I'm not going to share this with you. That makes you feel bad, doesn't it? So Jesus is saying, now, what I want to do is create a relationship with you that's totally open. I want to communicate with you. I want to tell you what's going on. Now, there are going to be situations and circumstances in which you can't figure out because that's the way life is. But I can assure you one thing. You don't have to walk through life in the dark. God wants to talk with you. And I would say that if you just start spiritualizing some things, you know. Now, some people have a problem in overdoing this. In, in, in our Christian stewardship class, I teach the first principle that you need to learn in walking with God is this, that spirituality never causes you to escape from reality. But spirituality helps you to cope with reality. Every now and then you get someone that's so spiritual that, that you can't get them to do any work. Shovel sidewalks, clean churches, can't paint walls. They're always praying. Follow what I'm saying? Always teaching home Bible studies. Now, please understand, you know, that uh, that's that is important, but you, there are other things that are important too. That that it is very greedy and selfish on your part to feel that I'll push that off on somebody else. Let's suppose that you got to look at it like this: some of the physical work must be done. Isn't that right? Who's going to do it? So it's very selfish for you to say, "Well, you go do it while I go do spiritual things." Because keep in mind that the, 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 the principle of Christian ethics is this, that whatsoever we would that men should do unto us, do unto them likewise. In other words, you treat everybody exactly like you'd like to be treated. So sometimes you're going to be chosen on the side in which 
paint the building and caulk in the restroom around the toilet stools and things like that. Shovel the sidewalks. And, you know, it's part of it. But you see, just because you're involved in something like that doesn't mean you can't see God in what you're doing. And what Jesus is wanting you to understand that regardless of where you are, even in, in some of the, the trying moments, you've got to know that I'm still there, that I am with you. That I will not forsake you. So you are my child. We are, we are friends. Verse 16, he says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now, you have to keep this in mind when he makes a statement. The reason why he's putting it this way, well, that's the way it is, but the reason why he's putting it this way, he's just he's reminding you of this one thing. Now, had you have chosen me, you might have reason to say that I don't care. Because if you had chosen me, then I can disassociate myself with you in certain areas. It isn't that way. He's saying, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I wanted you on my team. You were my pick. Now, if I have confidence in you, you should have confidence in me that knowledge alone should just spur you on to believe that I'm not going to forsake you that I'm not going to leave you that I'll be with you always even to the end of the world but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain God had confidence in me. I didn't just one of these days, one day, just stand up and say, I know a God that never fails. I'm going to choose Him. No. He looked down and says, I want you to come and be my friend. Now, he uses that as the foundation for this statement. And whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then he goes on to command us to love one another. Why? Because he chose all of us. You know, every now and then you'll find two sisters that will show up at church, having purchased dresses that are identical. And I don't know what it is, you know, just, you know. No, it depends on who it is, you know. I, a couple of our girls bought dresses that were the same. They thought it was great. Now, I had someone else, maybe that they weren't that close to, or maybe someone that they had just fussed with a little bit in school or something, had they bought the same dress, it would have been different. The coat that I presently wear, Brother John Gaminder went and bought one just like mine. And I think about the same day I bought this. We wore them to church. Hey, but they're identical. Well, John Gaminder is such a great guy. I thought it was just great that, that, that I had a coat like his. Now, what Jesus is saying is that, hey, wait a minute. I chose all of you and put you together. Now, had Brother Rutherford have chosen God, and I would have chosen God, and you would have chosen God, some of us might say, well, why did he go choose God? I don't want him on my side. God chose us all. It's like a baby being born in the family. 
you bring that little child in and big brother looks at it and says, why did you have this one? We didn't have a choice in the matter. I mean, this is what God gave us. So we're going to take this little bundle of joy and we're going to love this little bundle of joy. We're going to cherish this little bundle of joy. And that's what Jesus is saying. And He's using all this as a foundation to teach us a lesson in faith. And that lesson is, hey, I chose you. That means I'll watch over you. That means I'll protect you. That means I'll take care of you. See, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Luke, the 11th chapter, Jesus gives us this lesson about the Holy Spirit, such an important one. We'll bring this one to your attention, then we're going to have to close. Luke 11, 5, He said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now, we're talking about friends now. Jesus said, No, I I don't want a servant relationship with you. I want a friend-type relationship with you. For a friend of mine is in in his journey, is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not! The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Now, notice they're friends. Now, the Scripture says a friend loveth most of the time. Is that what the Bible says? A friend loveth at all times. Okay? I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will arise and give him as many as he needeth. They're friends. Now I say unto you, ask it shall be given you, seek you shall find, knock it shall be opened unto you. Notice this. For everyone that asketh receiveth. How many? Everyone. Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Then he goes into another line of logic. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? You know, this business of asking is so important. You know, it's so important. When I was, when I was growing up, I don't know why, I, I didn't like to ask my dad for anything. I'd go to my mom, and I'd say, Now, Mom, uh, this is what I wanted. And you know what she'd always say? She'd say, uh, Sounds logical to me. In which I'd screen this thing through her. If it sounded okay, then I, I knew then what she's going to say. But you don't have to ask for yourself. Now, I don't know why it's that way. I have three boys. And I don't know if, I don't know if any of them has ever asked me for anything that they didn't first ask their mom. I mean, they just do that. I don't know what it is. And then my wife will come around and she'll say, you know, John has something he wants to ask you. <clears throat> Isn't that something? Now, that's just the way it works. You know, it, it's kind of that way in the house of God, isn't it? Now, Jesus wants us to approach him. We, we should come boldly before the throne of grace. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. I am surprised how many people come in and say, "Brother Grant, I need prayer." 
I'd say, okay, let's pray. Have you been praying about this? Well, no, but it just came to me this morning. I should talk with you about this. You think this is all right? We'll pray about this. You know, kind of the screening process. You know, you gotta, I said, well, look, you got to ask him. I can't heal you. I can't fill you with the Holy Ghost. I can't mend your troubled heart. I can't do it. But that's just, that's just human nature. We, we like that buffer there for some reason, you know. So I, I get that all the time. I said, well, why do these, why do these boys do this? And I tell my wife, I said, well, don't you tell them don't be afraid to ask Dad. So well, I told him, don't be afraid to ask that. He said, well, I'm not really afraid, but I just wanted to ask you first. Yeah. I don't know why, but that was that same way when I was growing up. I'd go to my mom. Boy, I tell you what, I could just wrap my mom around my finger. And I said, just rather, you sh be quiet. <laughs> she happened to be my sister. Now, what was I saying? <clears throat> I'd say, will you go talk with Dad about this? She'd say, you talk with him. Boy, I couldn't hardly get up enough nerve to. I just, <clears throat> and when I'd get there, I'd start to, he'd say, yeah, go ahead. Mom's already talked to me about it. All right. Isn't that something? But God wants us to feel comfortable in coming to Him. He says, I'm going to give you exactly what you ask. If a son asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Or if ye then, being evil or earthly, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You know how simple it is to receive the Holy Ghost? You know how simple it is? Just ask, believe God. One lady came to our church, and she didn't believe that all believers could receive the Holy Ghost. She thought only a few. She came to three or four services, and she brought a friend. Now, she had a friend that was really mixed up. It's a strange thing, you know. Somebody's really mixed up. She knew where to bring her. Well, she never changed churches herself. Her friend did. She brought her friend here. We baptized her friend. Her friend received the Holy Ghost. And she had not yet received the Holy Ghost because she was taught that you didn't have to receive the Holy Ghost. That it wasn't necessary to receive the Holy Ghost. And she sat through about three of our services, and she came up to me after she said, I know now why everyone in this church receives the Holy Ghost. I said, why? She says, because you tell them they can and they believe it. That's why. And I said, you have figured right. I tell them they can and they believe it. Praise God. Because the Bible says... Every one of you, the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Praise God. You want to receive the Holy Ghost? Why don't you ask God for the Holy Ghost? You want to be healed today? Why don't you ask God to heal you? Praise God. You have a mountain that's before you? Why don't you ask God? I'm not against you tackling the fig tree, but let's go after the mountain for a change. Praise God. Not just the particle. Let's go after the substance. What's making that thing grow? What's causing that thing to grow? Basically what Jesus is saying, you go after the fig tree because there's no fruit there. But the problem is not in the tree. The problem is in the ground. Go after the soil that's deficient. Praise God. Let's stand. Mm, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> I told you 
that was going to be my last scripture, but it, I'll have to take that back. It's not. <clears throat> Ephesians 3.20. And this is a scripture that just blows my mind. <clears throat> Turn there with me. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding. Let's say it together. Exceeding. Oh, I like that word. Exceeding. Exceeding. The next word is abundantly. Let's say that together. Abundantly. I like the next word. Above. Let's say above. Above. And then let's say all. All. Boy, you're talking about some powerful, positive words stacked together. Exceeding abundantly above all. That we're able to what? Ask. Now we're going to stop there. We, I titled this message, Ask. The scripture is building such a great foundation for us. Is God able to do what you ask Him to do? He can even do greater than that. He can do above, exceeding, abundantly, and above all that you are able to ask. And then it goes one dimension further than that. Or think. God can even do above what you're able to think. Now, if you live for God as long as I have, and you look back, and you see where you came from, if God would have told me 32 years ago, this coming April 15th, when I gave my heart to God, if God would have told me that I would be right here today, pastoring this church, Associated with all you fine people. Associated with all of our brethren here in the Wisconsin district in the position that I am as superintendent of all of our churches. I would have said, God, you're kidding. You are kidding. I, that, that would be beyond my comprehension. I couldn't even think of that. You're going to be happily married, grandfather of seven grandkids. Say, so you have to be kidding, God. You know, it pays to put your trust in God. It pays to just throw yourself into His care. It pays to believe God. Oh, hallelujah. What do you want God to do? If you have a need today, why don't you just step right out? Come down here and stand in front of the pulpit. Just just step right out. Whatever need you have, come on. We have ministers, elders who are eager to pray for you. Come on right now. Ask. Ask. Ask it shall be given. He can do exceeding abundantly above all that you're able to ask. We want our praise singers to sing this song. And we want our ministers to come. How many ministers do we have? Brother Reagan, Brother Rutherford, Brother Eckenrod, Brother Thomas, come down if you would. Brother Thorpe, why don't you come down? Brother Thorpe's one of our elders. Now, I've called these men, but please understand that we, are, we have a, an auditorium packed with men and ladies alike who believe God. I want you to come and minister to these people. Can you do that? Come on. Gather around these people and pray with these people. Come on. That's it. From all over the auditorium, people are coming. Believing God. As a Bible believer, you have the authority. 
to encourage these people. That's it. Minister to these people. That's it. Some of you men just come and ladies get around in front of them and pray with them too. Come on. Oh, yes. That's it. If you're a guest of ours, why don't you come down if you want something from God this morning. Come on. That's it right now in Jesus' name. Come on right now. Let's come believe in God. Can move mountains That's it. Minister to these people. Oh yes, right now in Jesus' name. Don't you try your faith out.